0: Today, I am so pleased to welcome back a very dear friend to the podcast, a senior film critic who writes the most soulful, insightful, and humanistic pieces at FilmFreakCentral.net. Walter Chaw's bylines have also appeared in LA Weekly, the New York Times, New York Post, the Washington Post, Criterion. New York Magazine, and more. Additionally, he is the author of a book about the film Miracle Mile, and his in-depth critical study of Walter Hill is scheduled to be published by Matt Soller-Zeitz's MZS Press before the end of the year. Walter, thank you so much for coming back to join me today. I always have the best time talking movies with you and look forward to launching our spinoff pod, Hitchcraft, about the films of Alfred Hitchcock in the future. But first, congratulations on the new book. I can't wait to read it, as well as your wonderful video essay on the Netflix series Boir, or B-O-I-R, on Walter Hill's 48 Hours. So how are you doing and how has this whole process been?
1: Uh, this process has been exhausting. It's like a, <laughs> it's been a seven year thing, and uh, oh my goodness, I actually finished like a first draft of it within a few months of uh, flying out there seven years ago to uh, meet Walter Hill. Um, and then it's just been a process of getting smarter and uh, rewriting and not trying to force it into any kind of um boxes. I wanted to do uh, write by him, it's, it's been. You know, he's had a 50-year career and there's been no critical study of him in the english language that's
0: amazing
1: isn't that crazy yeah. it's like you know you look at the you know the all, all the film scholarship that's out there and i'm not saying that these other people are not deserving but there are a few people kind of the equal i think of the influence of the scope of walter hill's career over the course of these last 50 years and for him not to even have had a you know yeah. single single book length uh appreciation for his work i think is uh for me was, was, was surprising. And every step along the way of these last seven years, I was like, somebody's going to scoop me. Somebody's going to come in and, and <laughs> it's
0: worrying. And, yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah somebody's going to do this and uh, no one, no one has, and, and I'm grateful for that, but I hope that, uh you know, I, th- I think I say it in, 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 in the, in the conclusion of the book, I say something like, you know, I think I got half of this right. And the other half is for everybody else to figure out, you know, hopefully this is the, beginning of a, of a deeper conversation about Walter Hill's career which he deserves I think he was always ahead of the curve or the tip of the spear in a lot of progressive areas um you know the uh, the, uh it's just just you know Ripley from the alien movie just without Walter Hill it's just there's so much um it's a deep well I guess as I would say his movies and over the course of knowing him this past seven years he cannot be more uh a more lovely human being. I mean, he's been gracious. He is unfailingly humble. I've never seen a crack in that over the course of seven years. He's um uh, helpful and he's he's embarrassed about his talking about his work, but oh. you know hopefully he's uh I just wanted to do the right thing. You know, to do right by him and do right by his work uh in, in, in his lifetime and say, you know, uh somebody's paying attention, you know, and ho- hopefully you know, everybody who has always been paying attention will join now the new people who had never considered the Warriors to be a special film other than, you know, specially entertaining. But um, it's special. So is Streets of Fire. The, the, these movies are special and they deserve to be talked about that way. So. Anyway, thanks for letting me ramble on and on about no, it.
0: No, I'm dying to know. <laughs> and knowing you as your friend and just a fan of your work, because it's always incredible, you've got way more than half right, I'm sure. Oh, my gosh. Well,
1: uh, you know, I don't want to. Yeah, you you, you you, always strike me speechless when you uh, with your kindness. But yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, just fair warning to people out there. It's a 257,000 words. It's uh, about 550 pages. I was just going to
0: ask. Yes.
1: Yeah. Including, including an an, an introduction by James O'Roy, which he was kind enough to write. And then, you know, a short appreciation by Edgar Wright and a foreword by Larry Gross. Wow. Uh, It's, it's, I've just really been humbled by the people who wanted to, uh, you know, join me on this and say, Hey, let's uh, celebrate this artist that we've all admired our whole lives. And, um, yeah it, it's gonna be thick and, and 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 hill was kind enough to uh, share about 30 behind the scenes pictures that he had taken himself over the course of his entire career uh from from the set of his f- sets of his films there's a really oh, amazing a- amazing shot of him standing in the middle of a street in chicago from the end of streets of fire with uh, willem Defoe lying there uh, at his feet and you know walter hill wearing a you know a, a golf cat i think hat and staring at the camera there's really cool shots that I had never seen before. And he's been very uh, generous in sharing those with me as well. So yeah, hopefully there's something for, uh, for, for, for fans. And, you know, I I certainly don't expect anybody to want to read all that stuff, but it's there if you want to eventually.
0: Oh, that's so cool. Well, were there any great new discoveries that you made about Hill or his work along the way that really took you by surprise or anything you want to like tell us about that we should think about while we're watching his movies ahead of your book release
1: well i was really you know i i, I have massive blind spots you know uh you we know, all do. yeah i could fill a library but i um i never really read any of the work uh you know the the short stories of borgia
0: so oh, i love borgia
1: i you know and i have always heard his name and i've always been like yeah i got it got to get around to that one day. And I never really had, but but Walter Hill um, talks about Borgia so much and uh, the influence on Borgia in his career that I finally was like, all right, all right. And so I got, you know, the c- collected works, all the short stories and I read them and um, my God, you know, mm-hmm. a- amazing. And so I was, I was thrilled to be able to fill that gap, but also uh, learn all the ways that it informed Hill's work. also read, an essay by Edgar Allan Poe that I'd not read before, called "The Philosophy of Composition," and what it is essentially is Poe. Mm-hmm. If you, I'm sure you're familiar, but um, for it was Poe talking about why the Raven works, his own poem yes. the "Raven" works, and you know, the philosophy of composition is a work that's referenced by name in um, in two of his movies, well, in one of his movies and one of his TV shows. Uh, Hill mentions it in Perverse, uh, uh, "Perversions of Science," the, the HBO spinoff series from tales from the crypt that only lasted one season uh and for which he directed the the pilot and he also mentions it in um the 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 assignment the sigourney weaver film okay. and so i have it kind of compelled me to read it It was like okay you keep mentioning yeah. it, so you read it and it indeed sort of clarifies a major theme of hills which is i think this examination this um you know, I always have, have the image of a jeweler, like looking over a multifaceted jewel or something, you know, this really close examination of all the ways that masculinity fails uh, society. <laughs> and, and I think that, that's sort of a major through line of his work is all kinds of masculinity in tension with one another. And, you know, there's not really any kind of positive outcome for any of those approaches to to to, to, to being a good citizen, you know, being a man as a anti-citizen. So he... Um, the philosophy of composition essentially says that it works because you keep asking something the same question, knowing that the something that you're asking can only give you the same answer over and over again. So the poet and the raven is asks, where's my wife? Is she ever coming back? And the raven is only able to say nevermore because it's just a bird. But knowing that, knowing that it can only give you that response, the melancholy and the sadness of the poem is derived from the poet, constantly asking different questions of the bird, knowing that the bird can only give, give the same response. So in a similar way, hell keeps asking the same questions of masculinity knowing that there's only one question that masculinity can return um so it helped me understand a little bit about what was happening there and why he was pointing to it so pointedly increasingly in his later works he becomes more clear about wanting to be understood he leaves the breadcrumbs where we can find them now Mm -hmm. i think early on you know the breadcrumbs were there he's very well read he's bookshelves are full of thomas mann and and the greeks and and you know he, he he's he's hyper well read and um but his movies you wouldn't call them literary or, or you know you, you wouldn't say oh that's this is a prestige merchant ivory production and, you wouldn't know, say those things about his movies you just say this is incredibly well directed it goes really quick it's just yeah. exciting and fun um when you go back you, you notice you know the warriors is based on anabasis this uh you know the the this old story from a uh, xenophon and 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 it's uh based you know it's told as a comic book and it's uh mm-hmm. it, it's super hyper literate but it's not pretentious and i think that's a great way to describe hill as well so you know great surprises for me is how much i love crossroads the First time I saw it, I kind of dismissed it as a Karate Kid knockoff. I was I was a kid myself. It came out the same yeah. year as Karate Kid Two, so I'm like, here's another one of these things with Ralph Macchio. no. I, I really dismissed it for most of my life, but in re- re- revisiting it, I found a really thorny and difficult piece about losing your father, which he did uh, during the course of the shoot of that film. So you know, a lot of surprises. You know, I think my 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 favorite film of his now is Extreme Prejudice. Um, okay. but, but coming up, you know, as a fast dark horse now, since I've watched it so many times now is a uh, last man standing, the Bruce Willis film, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm ha, ha, have you seen that?
0: Yes. I talked about it with Jed on the podcast. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah.
1: Awesome. Yeah. You know, it's just, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how you feel about it, but for me, it's just like this Edward Hopper painting come to life. It is glorious and, um, grim uh it's 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 a comic book movie in the best sense of it it is
0: a comic book movie like yeah. a two-fisted
1: uh a hard-boiled tales kind of comic book you know from the 40s um mm-hmm. it's just i i think it's gorgeous and i think there's some a real poetry to especially when the texas ranger picket comes mm-hmm. in and and sort of lays it on the line this is you know i'm gonna be back with 20 rangers and uh if there are two gangs here, you know I will like, accept <laughs> one gang, which is fine. But if there are two gangs still here when I come back, there will be no gangs here. And it's like, Oh, there's something so brutal and and precise about that dime novel um, dialogue that I really mm-hmm. love, adore. So, yeah, uh, you know, yeah. I, I guess, uh, you know, I'm 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 I'm, I'm going to make you wary of asking any more questions about it because I just keep rambling about it. But. um Yeah. I learned a lot. I learned a lot about me. I I learned a lot about, you know, I got to fill a lot of gaps in doing this project. It was really rewarding, you know, at a time when, you know, after a while you feel like, you know, I'm done being surprised. I'm done being rewarded. I'm a grizzled person of the world. I've seen all I'm going to see. And then um, you go back and you find new things in the same things that you've seen already. And that's, that was super rewarding.
0: Very cool. Yeah, I can't wait. We have to do a Walter Hill episode in the future. Hopefully when the book comes out, I'd like to get it in my hands so I can (laughs) be a little bit more prepared for you. But yes, absolutely. Well, we should probably get into today's discussion before I monopolize your entire day. Nope, you're fine. are here to celebrate, analyze, and chat about Scream, which was launched in 1996 by Wes Craven's groundbreaking meta horror movie. Which, thanks to a hilarious, sharp script from Kevin Williamson, which poked fun at genre tropes and commented on cliches while scaring the hell out of you, helped kickstart the next great horror franchise. With the release of the newest and fifth installment, also called Scream, in 2022, that's a little confusing, the series lives on and is now primed to entertain the next generation. While normally I would say let's go through the films one by one, in this case because there are so many recurring characters and payoffs, and the films are kind of in conversation with one another as sequels. It's probably best if we just dive in. However, if listeners want to hear about just the first movie, you can find it discussed last year around this time with our good friend, Kate Gabrielle, in the first Adventures in Physical Media episode of 2021, which covered the film's 4K release. Scream 2, is it just happens, or is it just so happens, has just this October, also been released in 4k as well. And it is stunning. I think it actually comes out the week we're recording this. And it goes without saying today that there will be plenty of spoilers ahead of you. So proceed with caution if you haven't seen it. But if you haven't seen these movies, I don't know why you're listening in the first place. But Walter, let's go for it. What makes these movies so timeless and so special?
1: You know, I, I think what makes them so timeless um, is maybe the same things that make slasher movies uh, timeless and makes any kind of horror. I think yeah, I think every great story is a horror story. Uh, you know, the Bible is – the Old Testament is one yeah. abomination after another. It's one terrible, horrible atrocity that's unforgivable mm-hmm. after another. You know, you're going to paint blood on your door so God doesn't kill your kid. Uh, that 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 that, that, that is a slasher movie trove i mean this stuff is really you know in all the anniversary horrors all of this stuff you know the fairy tales and the original conception i I think there's there's a real timelessness to horror uh in general and that's been kind of the root of a lot of the curiosity that i've had later in my life about horror why why is it so
0: appealing
1: um to us but you know i want to ask you though i mean when did you when you first watched Scream, did you see it without knowing anything about it? Did you see it in the theater?
0: You know, it's fascinating. It was actually released when I had had my um, I had a spine surgery, or one of five. And mm-hmm. while I was in the hospital, I remember like a friend calling me and telling me, "Oh my god, I saw the best movie!" And then she proceeded to tell me the entire plot. like the front you know and she and it's really funny though and it's really funny though and she kept trying to describe it and I kept hearing more and more about it but luckily I was so kind of whacked out of it that I only remembered little things like okay there's something with a garage door or something (laughs) with this and so you know I went with my brother eventually he had seen it a bunch of times by this point and when we were in the theater seeing it um it was crazy because there was this guy who was getting so scared he was this middle-aged man sitting a few rows ahead of us and he just kept like it was becoming a like a chorus like almost notes on a piano getting louder and louder it started with oh shit oh <laughs> shit and it just kept getting louder and louder and then like don't go in there oh shit and he just was like freaking out and it made it kind of funnier Um, so yeah, I remember loving it right away. There's something cathartic, I think, about Mm -hmm. going in and watching a young woman outsmart people. Also, um, you know, going through a roller coaster of emotions. It's very, it's a nice, safe way to do it in a movie theater because in real life, we don't necessarily have that same experience. So yeah, also I should say a shout out to my brother who took me to screen. His daughter is named Tatum. After Tatum, the character played by Rosemary, no, you're yeah. not kidding. Yes, <laughs> not
1: kidding. I would have guessed Tatum and Neil, but that, that's
0: I a, know, no. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: you know, it, it, it's interesting to talk about the catharsis of seeing a young woman. You know, and the 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 whole final girl trope is an interesting yeah. one in slasher movies too. I'm sure you're familiar with Carol Clover's book, Men, Women, and Chainsaws. Chainsaws. Yeah, and, and that's the first time that I had ever heard of that. You know, and the change. way that i kind of conceived of horror films completely reading that book you know as a younger guy and you know one of the things that she talks about is how you know this genre is like the only genre of film in which it's it's sort of designed for young men to watch it it's like the ideal audience or the target audience right Is like 18 to 24 year old men bros Mm -hmm. and but by the end of it this the the, this audience of men of young men are identifying with a young woman usually a virginal young woman yeah archetypes and so what what a magical thing to happen to have the suture between, you know, oftentimes inexperienced young men, yes, uh, you know, who who fulfill all of the, you know, bad stereotypes about, you know, the 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 bad tropes of slasher films, if you will, this idea of exploitation, the nudity, the stuff about, you know, the violence towards women. But isn't mm-hmm. it interesting by the end of them that the young men are rooting for and identifying with? The young woman, um, and, and you know that that that's another element of the slasher generally that I think is so interesting. But and you know for for me, I I I, I saw Scream um, right before you know I saw it in the theater, you know, a few months before I met my wife who uh, the, the woman who's going to be my wife and then after i met her the screen was still playing it was in the dollar theaters by then so mm-hmm. she and i went to see it i was like this is really great we should go watch it it's fun we watched it and during the opening sequence of it where drew barrymore's character is getting stalked, yeah. which is still i think one of the most brilliantly done moments. oh my you
0: know. gosh it's perfect it's so yeah
1: it it, it, it never gets Old, oh. it never feels familiar. It's always the same no. level of scary. Am I, yeah. am I, is it just me or is it's no?
0: Just... Every time I watch, you're like rooting for her, you're like, she can do this. It's, <laughs> it's
1: <so laughs> this amazing. time she's gonna be okay, yeah. And um, when the parents
0: it's... come home, I mean, it's, oh. it's you go through this whole God. array of feelings, yeah.
1: yeah. Well, and it's so cruel because it the is. parents are home. And she's not in the house anymore. She's being dragged out to the lawn to get hung up. Oh in the my tree, god! You know? yes. But they can hear her because she's on the she's on the uh, cordless phone.
0: Yeah, and they can hear her, days. but they don't know where she is. Yeah, and that's
1: so cruel. It's mm-hmm. so cruel, and it's like during that sequence that my wife, my my future wife at that point, Caroline, uh, leaned over and said, "I'm not sure I could do the rest of this because you know, <laughs> it's so intense. Yes, it is. So, and, and you know, her big thing I would learn later is that there are open windows at night. No, okay. not, not like yeah. like un, uncurtained windows at night. That's her big phobia. <gasps> I hate
0: uncurtained windows. So i okay. okay. Yes, I know. Yes. Okay.
1: So, so so two out of two smart women agree. <laughs>
0: Don't
1: leave <her> curtains. <laughs> no, curtains uh, open. are your friend. And she actually gave that phobia to my daughter full bore so that my daughter, who's not generally that scared of movies and everything, had to tap uh-huh. out of Halloween after the first like 10 minutes or so. Oh, wow. Because okay. there's so many, like, you know, because there's a yeah. sequence in, the, in Haddonfield where the all, yes. all the young women are in front of windows. Lighted windows, and it's dark outside. She's like, Why aren't they closing their windows? I can't, I can't, you know. Yeah. She tapped out, which is really funny, anyway. Um, so she was like, I'm not sure I could do this. I'm like, Uh, I don't think the rest of it, I don't remember the rest of it being quite like this. Let's hold on for a second. And so then we watched the rest of it, and it was fine, it was great, you know. We love yeah. it, yeah. But the opening sequence is so genuinely horrific, and I think that's another thing that t- to recommend Scream for me is that it's not only a satire, which it seems like every other horror movie now is a satire, it is,
0: horror. yeah.
1: It's not only a satire, it's a wonderful example of the thing that it's satirizing. Yeah. And I think that's essential. You know, I, I think mm-hmm. that you know, for you not to be a total asshole about it, you've got to have a movie that's actually um doing the things out of love. It's 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 loving the genre.
0: Oh, yeah. But, you know, yeah. you don't you
1: don't get to poke fun at something unless you love it. And I think one of the reasons that I dislike Ari Aster and his movies is because I think They're he's smug yeah they're smug he's a jerk he treats his characters like crap he doesn't mm-hmm. you know I, I think and he treats his audiences like crap too and I, I don't like i i don't like directors who get up there and they, they say well i don't really think of it as horror i think it's, like, it's just as soon as you begin to do crap like that i'm just like you're you're, you're an idiot and you you know stanley like, Kubrick bring horror hard movies get over yourself there, there's yeah you know Arguably curious. Mary
0: Shelley wrote a book. Yeah. yeah. These
1: are not like slouches. Okay. So yeah. anyway, I just, uh, yeah, I I think Scream really loves the genre first, you know, obviously Wes Craven, Mm -hmm. Kevin Williamson, you know, they really love it first. And then because they love it, they understand it in a special way. You know, I also don't like, I think I'm more of a minority in this one, uh, Cabin in the Woods. Because I also think that, I don't think Cabin in the Woods actually understands the genre that it's making fun of, mm. you know? So it's like, these are the tropes of Cabin in the Woods movies. It's actually not, you know? I don't mm. remember any Cabin in the Woods movies having the elements that they say that it has. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, you, you yeah. are actually just sort of making fun of people who like, you know, I, I I I I sort of equated it with like, you know, this is a movie about nerd culture made by jocks. And
0: yeah, that's I think true. that's
1: not, I'm not into it, you know, I am yeah. into scream because it's like, this is a movie about nerds made by nerds and it's um, so faithful to, to the, sl- the slasher genre first yes. and then it deconstructs it. But even in the course of deconstructing it, what I love about it is that it doesn't help them to have that knowledge
0: no no it doesn't at all yeah they're aware of these things happening like you know one of the most famous things that happens in the movie is the character of randy of course watching uh tv and um you know like look behind you and, and it doesn't help him at all
1: yeah right he's saying that as something's coming up behind him yes Do you know and and you know of course randy meets the terrible end in the second one, it's sort of yes.
0: back, Oh my you know? gosh that's so uh, horrible that
1: is part in the whole movie yes. you know i actually think let me ask you first what's your favorite of these
0: the first one by far yeah
1: see for for me it's the second one
0: Um, i read that i should say for everyone listening (laughs) be sure i will link to in the post that when it goes on patreon walter has written just the staggeringly great appreciation of the entire franchise in the review of the newest film as we're recording this, the fifth movie, Scream 2022 version. And he talks about uh, what they're doing in the second film, and it's just stunning. I'll let you take it away. Well,
1: you know, it's not... uh, Yeah. I I, I, I think it's the movie that's, that's, like, to me, stunning. I think it's this dark, nihilistic piece that elevates the slasher genre into greek tragedy you know this idea of cycles and the inability mm-hmm. to escape those cycles which oh my god yeah you're right i mean I'll get halloween into its 12th movie or whichever now you know it's like every halloween you can't escape these cycles just like you can't escape birth and death and yeah you know you know taxes and death you know what you can't escape the, the, the cyclical inevitability of your own life and your own mm-hmm tragedies and i think *Scream* 2 really kind of elucidates that in a really eloquent way there's this whole sequence you know sydney the nev campbell main character of the first five films is in college now and Mm -hmm. she uh is in a drama class i think or she's in a play
0: yes
1: um you know she's on stage with all of these you know it's like a greek play and they're everybody's wearing these masks these old masks um and robes and stuff and i'm like okay so the scream guy you know wearing the mask and the, mm-hmm. in the room, is the inheritor of a centuries old tradition yep. of obscuring you know telling the truth by obscuring identity of being you know portents from the gods or whatever and there's a a drama teacher played by david warner in the second one who says to sydney essentially that she is cassandra she's reenacting this role of a woman who is mm-hmm. cursed to know everything but also cursed to be disbelieved and not listened to and and from there you also get this idea that women are not listened to oh um, not at all yeah you know, especially about trauma especially mm-hmm. about how I many how many horrible stories do we have to hear every year about a woman saying, you know this guy's gonna kill me i need some protection and then no one gives her a protection and she gets mm-hmm. killed you know that that that's it reenacts this really kind of deep primal for women and also a little bit for men who are you know, we would say it happens to us when we're children. Yeah. When we're children, people don't listen. People don't listen mm-hmm. to children of any sex. They don't listen to women of any age. They don't yeah. listen to children of any sex. And so it it touches on this really primal thing for everyone, but for women in particular with with, with Sydney, of how you are a Cassandra. You are doomed to say, that guy gives me the creeps. And everyone else saying, oh, no, he's cool.
0: He's yep. a." Yeah, I like that about this. Um, First of all, Scream 2 was shot on the college campus that I went to briefly for like a a term. It was shot on um, Agnes Scott College in uh, Georgia, the Atlanta area, just just gorgeous uh, college campus, lots of green trees, very Gothic. They have a beautiful library and uh, Robert Frost Poetry is in the library. I mean, it's a really Cool. cool campus, so I love, Uh, when I watch Scream 2 going, oh, yeah, I was at that building or oh, that's where the dorm is or whatever. So it's really kind of fun to see that. But I like what you were saying about women not being believed and how that plays out. One of the things I like about this series so much is that it is kind of commenting on these ideas, but not going not taking themselves so seriously about it. Like it is touching on the fact that you know, some of the motives that these people have about in the new one, jokingly, like being against people who say elevated horror, or what the franchise does, or does it cause violence if you watch scary movies, or, you know, um, being forced as Sydney kind of feels like she is, or she's talked into using her own trauma, in order to help her performance as an actress, like things that we kind of go through some of these ideas that get um circulated through entertainment are running throughout this entire franchise and of course for women as you mentioned and for men usually as children you know these are issues that we face you brought up like being disbelieved and it made me think my first experience when i was a girl with the law enforcement for example on my own behalf was when i was um on the way home i was walking home from school Uh, from the bus stop. And these two young men in their 20s tried to get me into their truck and they just kind of would follow me and were shouting at me. And so I finally booked it. I ran home. My dad called the police, of course, when they came out they took one look at me and I'm a little bit taller. So they didn't really think, you know, I was 11, even though, so they assumed I was older and they said, Oh, your daughter probably knew those guys, or they were joking around, or, you know, maybe she was flirting with them, you know, how girls are or that kind of thing. And that was like my first experience. And they made my dad, for example, feel really dumb for calling the police in the first place. And, you know, it was just such a, thing to learn right away, like, whoa, people might not believe you. I was lucky enough in a situation where I was babysitting at the time, shortly after that, for a police officer who definitely disagreed. He had heard over the uh, the radio that we had put in a call and he asked me what happened and they told him the whole story. And when he got to his house, um, he immediately went in the other room. He excused himself politely. We could hear him yelling. On the phone, as he called the police department to like ream out, like, I don't care that she's my babysitter. If a young girl calls, she's 11 years old. Why would she know 23 year old men? You know, like, you know, that kind of thing. And it made me, it was a good thing to learn like, some men might not believe you, others will. But, you know, the first instance of not being believed was very scary. And so when you watch horror movies, when these girls are calling, the police are being like, Yeah, I got scary phone calls or, oh, my boyfriend might be creepy. People are trying to talk them out of it. She's kind of getting gaslit a lot in the first movie. So, again, with the catharsis, I think.
1: Yeah, well, and it happens in the second movie as well, where Sydney yeah. suspects her boyfriend, you know, ultimately the end of it, because of the trauma that she's been through. I, I mean, she's know. already Because it's her boyfriend in the first one, you know, and, and it's like... Yeah. You know, and you begin to realize. I think in the second one, more, 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 more reason I adore the second film is that, and I love both of them. I think it's like you know, one and one A essentially. For yeah, me, the first exactly. Two um, that 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 she is um, branded kind of by her mother's infidelities. It's like a scarlet letter that she's been sort He's of given, given, and because that subtext, you know, that subplot carries through number three, you know, it, it's touched upon a number four. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a major thing. Sydney's mother's infidelities. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like the, 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 daughter can't escape the sins of the mother. Um, yeah, especially so if the, sins. the sins
0: of the father. Yep.
1: Yeah, exactly. And especially when the sins are infidelity, it's not really a mm-hmm. sin when a man does it because men no. are, men are disgusting. And that's like, it <laughs> but for women to do it, that's, that's, that scars them. They're almost like a witch, you know, and that they, they pass down, The sort of, you know, the challenge to the patriarchy that she represents. Mm -hmm. You know, the only thing I really like, there's only two things I like about the third movie, but one of them I like about it very much is that the film opens with her as a, you know, kind of in seclusion, but as a crisis line counselor.
0: I know. I thought that was a powerful, you know, um, stage for her. Totally, Korean.
1: yeah. I mean, she spent her life being disbelieved,
0: yep. and now she's going
1: to assume a role of someone who does believe you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: She's going to be your first contact, she, uh, the first person that you'll hear yep. when, you, when you have trauma is going to be someone who believes you. And how powerful yes. is that moment? You know, and I think that's uh, really a remarkable thing. And then, you know, I, I think that that and and the idea that this whole third movie was going to take place on a movie set shooting the first movie those were all kevin williams's ideas but he wasn't mm-hmm. you know Unfortunately. associated i know yeah. they brought in aaron krueger who is uh forgive me an idiot and so the, you know the, the <laughs> third movie understood you know m- metatext and all the stuff to the only to the degree that shrek understands it
0: yeah Whereas, it like it's not funny. parody yeah i'm just mm-hmm. gonna show you stuff Yep.
1: That you might recognize it's the dumbest trivial pursuit for yeah. the dumbest people. It's like, oh look, it's Spider-Man. <laughs> you know, and yes. with, with Scream Three, there's like this really dispiriting cameo from Jay and Silent Bob. There's this no really reason oh, except it's just ridiculous. yeah, there's yeah. It's a really embarrassing cameo too by Carrie Fisher. You know, I it's know. just really, really smug and tone-deaf and and not scary this is a movie finally in the scream series that is as hollow um in its meta text as a lot of the newer movies that are coming out yes and i don't, don't want to blow up you know for just casually but the, the, there are a lot of movies that are trying so hard to be smart to be self-aware to be these things and all they end up doing is uh being embarrassing it's very seldom that movies are, are smarter than their audiences. You know and you know i think scream is like it doesn't purport to be smarter than its audience what it will do is give you a really kind of grueling horror experience plus extra stuff if you want to think about it but you don't have to you know and a lot of these yeah. movies now are like they're not scary they yeah. Well done. yeah yeah you they can't enjoy it and they have a message for you and yes. they're not helping usually mm-hmm. I, They're politics are good but their storytelling is weak you know it's like stuff like yeah. uh, you know i don't want to just assume that you felt the same way but i hated promising young woman and a lot I of movies, hated
0: that, that oh thank god curious. Okay. yes thank yes thank you
1: because it's like you know among all the things that are ridiculous about it and damaging and dangerous to the conversation about it yeah the conclusion the solution of that freaking foo film is to call the police Now, after what we've already been talking about and everything about the police not believing you and all this stuff, it's like, really, that's the solution? This is your your hyper feminist kind of, it's like you would would have done better doing like a serial killer movie that's really effective and and serious about trauma, you know? Mm -hmm. And then all of these things will come out in the course of you doing it. Yeah, it's the
0: difference too of pointing from the outside or the inside. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, Scream, we feel like we're part of the conversation or it's pe- made by people from the inside that understand this internally. Yeah. Whereas you mentioned the Cabin in the Woods or the Astor films feels like, you know, people standing far away from it and pointing like, "Well, mm-hmm. oh, they're ridiculous or that's ridiculous. And it's not really helping to just sort of see you know, be on your perch in clever, clever land, that kind of thing. (laughs) Uh, When it comes to Scream 3, it is a little ironic, of course, that it was made um, by Miramax. And, you know, you think of the Weinsteins and then the end of the movie, which has to do with, you know, the uh, Sydney's mother having been um, raped when she was a young woman on a Hollywood at a Hollywood party. And the killer is like an illegitimate kid, And, you know, I mean, these would have been interesting ideas to explore with the right kind of people involved, instead of just making it sort of gimmicky. It feels like a gimmicky movie. One thing I did like in the third one is the opening with Liev Schreiber. I think this, this series does have some pretty good. I mean, the the opening of the second one is really scary with oh, Jada yeah. Pinkett uh, Smith in the theater. It yeah. made me kind of suddenly nervous about being in movie theaters, you know. Uh, but I did like Leave Schreiber in traffic, you know, getting this phone call and then having to like race home. I thought that was a clever idea. It was a little bit different than seeing people answer the phone in their house. I thought that was a nice touch. But otherwise, no, it's not such a good film. I guess Emily Mortimer's character was supposed to be a possible bonus killer or a second killer. I think that would have maybe helped. But I also read something Matthew Lillard said that he was going to be the killer and some he was going to have survived his wounds from the first movie. I think he's kind of the MVP of the first movie. Yeah. So I would have loved to have seen that. Too bad Williamson couldn't be a part of it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's really a shame. And, you know, it's, it's hard to like completely diss a movie that has Parker Posey in it for any period. Oh
0: my God. I know. Yeah. I mean, the, <laughs> yes. there
1: are parts of that movie I do love and I do love that they rebuilt like the entire set of it. on a soundstage. It reminds me of Synecdoche, New York, of course, and stuff. You know, I love that. But there's a lot of things working against that third movie. You (laughs) know, the loss of willing is unrecoverable, but it also is the first great movie to come out after Columbine. And I know that, you know, it's super squeamish. Mm -hmm. Yeah, super squeamish about violence, right? Yeah. And so a lot of that was pulled. But, you know, to, to speak to your idea about, like, the danger of becoming too clever scream three does that. And you would argue that scream four does that too in the opening, but I love the cold open of screen.
0: Oh my God. It keeps surprising you. It
1: just keeps going and going and going. All of these layers that's peeling back with these different pairs of famous women who are being stalked mm-hmm. and, and murdered and stalked and murdered so over good. and over. It's like, and hey, it's there's so, Anna Paquin. Yeah. Oh, my God. there There's, you know, yeah. It's like yeah. A, I'm, I'm having, like, COVID brain fog, but there's the girl from The Good Place. There's, you know, yeah.
0: all of these things over <laughs> and over Bell. and over. Yeah, yeah Kristen Great. Bell. Thank
1: you. Yeah. Over and over and over again, you have, like, all of these uh, recognizable faces to the, it's to the point where by the second or third time the rug is pulled out, you're like, we're always murdering beautiful young women. Yep. Yeah. Aren't we? You know, it's like you're having yes. fun, it's exciting, and then all of a sudden there's a chin scratching sort of yeah. moment. And I think Scream at its best does that. Mm-hmm. That you're really being pulled along, and you're just really fun and really exciting. And then you're like, wait a minute, we're talking about uh this young woman who's forced to kill her brother. Uh yes. she kills her cousin, she is living down the murder of her mother. Yep. She has been betrayed by her lovers. She is, you know, mm-hmm. th- there's like this real like how much punishment and I think one of the films asks that question the 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 2022 scream I think is like are we all in the sort of hyper simulation that's designed to punish women Yeah, (laughs) Is is that what's going on here and and you know I I think I referred to scream somewhere as uh you know the the most important meta text for our culture In the last twenty five years, and yes, I've seen the Matrix. You know, like like this is yeah. I
0: agree. This is my Matrix. I mean, I enjoy the Matrix, but yeah,
1: it's fine. You know, yeah,
0: it's fine. But you know, it's
1: (laughs) this is it, right? I mean, this Mm -hmm. is the one that has insight into how dangerous and um and and not in a like a flashy way, just in a really boring quotidian way, how dangerous the world is for women. Mm -hmm. you know and and you look at a character like gail weathers the courtney cox character who
0: oh i love her character amazing And Dewey. yeah
1: Dewey. i mean i i think courtney cox david arquette i don't know that they're ever been better than anything else in these movies no
0: these this is my favorite thing oh my god yep
1: you know i I actually had real tears in the
0: 2022
1: one yes right when they're having you know their um,
0: reunion or then when she said you killed my best friend oh god yes
1: yes And, you know, Mm -hmm. because there's so much, again, in the sort of meta, meta uh, uh, attached to it, you know, that, you know, the relationship has not happened and has not turned out the way it is. I mean, Dewey is spending his life living in a trailer saying stuff like, you know, the only time that I don't feel like, you know, swallowing a shotgun is in the mornings because then I can watch you and pretend like we're still having breakfast together. We're still together, you know, I'm like, okay, so that's a little bit uncomfortably comfortably close to the bone. You know, it's like that yeah, scene in the bits yeah, yeah. where Montgomery Clift is on the payphone and is saying, no, mom, you know, you, you can re- totally recognize me now. I'm completely healed. I'm like, this is a little bit too close to the bone yes. right now. what's real. And that's when Scream is the most brilliant, I think, is when it's so close to the bone. You, you're having a good time. It's ha- you're having fun. And then you realize that it's Actually, commenting upon that time that you were mm-hmm. disbelieved, <laughs> or yeah. that time that you were gaslit by that bo- that that shitty boyfriend, or that yeah. time, you know, like all of a sudden it becomes a personal thing, and that's the heart of it. It isn't just like Beavis and Budhead, which is actually know, that's a bad example because I love Beavis and ButtHead, but it isn't just like a postmodernist exercise where mm-hmm. oh there's that, oh there's that, oh there's that. You're not just kind of it's not a puzzle box like an MCU film where you're just checking off references. This is a this is a series that's engaged in identifying you in the piece, saying, "Here you are. Remember that time you were so scared when you're home by yourself and you got a telephone call." Remember that yep. time you were so scared in a public restroom and someone was talking in the next stall? Remember that time when you were the only minority or the only woman in a room full of men, a room full mm-hmm. of white people, you know, like at the beginning of Screen Two with Jada Pinkett, who was like, Look at you're looking at, we're watching this movie where this only representation of me that I've seen all year is about to get murdered. That's not right. And then she gets yep. murdered in front of the entire audience of white people who were there to watch that yes. movie and watch her suffer and die.
0: Mm-hmm. That's what
1: they're just there for. That's what we're here for. This yeah. Is talk. Right,
0: I know it's very shocking. Like her last few moments on film, the scream that comes out of her mouth is just oh, it's just heart wrenching. Yeah,
1: it's remarkable that um, that that we can get so much out of these movies without reading into them i mean they're all packed into the text right we're just reading it out of it you know and mm-hmm. i think one of the reasons I, I i kind of like hate the third one so so much is you you mentioned the rape and you mentioned the illegitimate child and the madness and all that stuff it's like mm-hmm. these are all issues that are bigger than you're allowed to handle given how i you
0: know yeah you know what I mean. Don't,
1: don't, don't even go there have you had conversations we all have right with people who are like let me just stop you right there before you start to talk yes, about- yeah yeah you know, racist. or they
0: start a conversation with, "I'm not racist, but," or my yeah. favorite lately just, is, "is yeah. I have daughters, but like I'm not, it's like I'm not sexist. I have daughters, but like, yeah, yeah. Oh, Maybe stop have... talking now. Yeah, it's
1: like yeah, but that's yeah. it. But yep. that's it. Yep. That's yep. the entire statement. You can be yeah. quiet."
0: I'm glad yeah. you have daughters. It has nothing to do with the rest <laughs> why of. Why does you yeah.
1: having had daughters the only reason you have empathy for other women? I yeah, yeah. You know, it's like why? Why is the Bible the only reason you don't kill somebody? There's, <laughs> there's a real problem with your morality. if Yeah, you know, seeing right. it on this, but you know, scream is you know sort of in line with that. It's also a deeply empathetic piece of, on, on a whole where you're like, you know, you're dealing with trauma, the root of trauma with a mm-hmm. mother that's abandoned them and everything. And you're dealing with how this trauma has impacted the child or the entire course of her life. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, you know, Sydney's not happily anything. She keeps getting pulled back into these cycles and that's trauma, isn't it?
0: It so really is.
1: You never outgrow it. You learn different ways to live with it.
0: Mm-hmm. you never
1: outgrow it it really reminds me sydney does in that way of ripley from the alien movies where in the oh, third it's a
0: good comparison yeah you know
1: the, by yeah. the third third movie she says you've been a part of my life for so long i don't remember any part of it without it." without it yeah and she's talking about the alien but she's also talking about trauma
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know like you you know i don't want to ennoble trauma it's the opposite i don't think what kills you doesn't kill you makes you stronger it makes you really weak it makes you you know it makes you really traumatized um and you learn ways to live with it mm-hmm. you never learn you never can expel it you know there's no it's like the end of the exorcist it's like the demon's not dead it's just kind of floating around it'll be back mm-hmm. in a minute. And sure enough it comes back a couple times but um you know so these cycles these things that return all these things on a very basic level i think i do believe they address our trauma and the brilliance of Scream that it allows us sort of this transparency into real kind of self analysis, if you will, the stage of recognition, it holds up a really clear mirror to our culture, but also to ourselves.
0: It really does. And one um, important step in that process, I think is finally seeing in the new movie that Sydney comes in like strapped and ready to go as a hero. She isn't, um, you know, she is still traumatized and still dealing with it, but she's ready to go in that house and help those kids and try to fight something. She's doing it a little bit out of, um, you know, feeling guilty because it has to do with her own life. Kind of like you feel like responsible when something horrible happens to you. Like, what did I do wrong? That kind of thing. But I did like that. I thought that was an important step for Sydney and for Gail to, it was, it was great to see them kind of like shoulder to shoulder, ready to walk in. Um, to this horrible situation, um, you know, with guns and ready to just start shooting. Um, Guns really weren't a big part of the series, um, which it kind of became more gun focused as the the series went on. But, you know, I thought um, that that was really kind of cool to see how uh, also how they were working in new characters that were linked to or children of past, Um, you know characters we weren't just remaking the movie I was a little worried when I heard that it was just going to be called scream that it was going to be a total remake I mean there's elements that are very much like you do find out that it's the boyfriend essentially of one of the main characters so there are a little bit of some tongue-in-cheek callbacks but it's just kind of expanding it and introducing it to a new generation yeah
1: yeah, and there's something very powerful about seeing Gail and 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 uh, um, Sydney joining forces at the end of it, kind yeah. of assuming the mentor role. Yes, of you know, for the next generation of women who are going to be traumatized by the same sort of things, the same sort of mm-hmm. gaslighting by bad men, the same sort of sexual trauma, the same sort of legacy of you know the presumption of, of, of guilt and and, and fallenness. And they're, you know, they've survived it.
0: <laughs> yeah. And
1: they've turned their survival into activism, you know, in a very kind of literal way, you know, the, the, the future is women in the scream franchise. And I think that's really where it was beginning in the first place. I think that's really where it was pointing to from the very, very mm-hmm. beginning of it. And I think it's so powerful to see it resolve in that way. The first shot of Sydney coming back in the 2022 movie it shot like in, a, in, in like a Michael Bay hero shot. You know? It it's
0: really like, is, isn't yeah. it? It's like
1: this arrival of an angel, arrival of whatever, and it's like, yeah, she's just a woman that's been beat beat up a lot, and mm-hmm. she's lived to tell the tale, and now she's back for more, and that is awesome. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't wish it on anyone, but I'm glad there are people like that out there. I think of that whenever I look at these marches where there's you know a woman in a wheelchair, she's like 105 or something. She's like, I thought we were done with this shit. She's holding like this sign. I'm like right because this is our culture it's awful but it's also full of heroes and um you know i I felt emotional a lot of places during the 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 newest scream movie it felt like force awakens to me
0: (laughs) oh that's a good comparison it was in your piece yeah
1: yeah you've got these legacy characters who are coming back for one last Ride and then they're going to hand off the baton to the next generation of people who are going to continue to do that. So, you know, in a certain sense, it's nihilistic because, you know, men aren't better and, you know, women are still whatever in this culture. But um it's also hopeful in the sense that there are always people that will fight.
0: Yep. Yeah. They're going to start bringing back, I think, some people from other installments. A character I really liked was in the fourth movie, played by, I might be butchering her name, Hayden Penet- Penetier. Maiden Penetier, who she was in the TV show, Nashville Mm -hmm. and heroes. Um, She was the save the cheerleader, save the world girl on heroes. Uh, She was in, I want to say it was the uh, fourth scream movie. And then she was in the new one. And I heard she might be in the one after that. She's great. So it would be good to start bringing in some of these other people that we kind of enjoyed in past installments to take a little bit of the pressure off um sydney yeah. and gail but you know it's always good to see them as well
1: yeah and, and the, the, there's a big thing about them not paying sydney uh not paying Nev campbell enough to come back for the the the, the sixth installment and i hope that's not true i hope I it's just a really sophisticated marketing thing where she's gonna show up in the film it's gonna be this i i hope that she's in it because
0: oh yes the backbone. absolutely but
1: But if she's not, I hope at least, you know, that we have some kind of comment about how women still aren't paid enough in the workplace. You know, another meta way that scream was abusing women. Um, But, yeah, there's uh, I have a lot of hope for this series, especially with the creative team behind it. You know, I love the Ready or Not. Ready
0: or Not was such a good film. My goodness. It It was so cool to see Andy McDowell in that light. (laughs)
1: Yep. <laughs> yeah. well yeah perfect and you know i think samara weaving is the new oh yes is the is the, the the real you know the the the, the 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 new jamie lee curtis in a way yeah in these great genre films you know i i love that I, I love her i've loved her in everything i loved her in mayhem joe lynch's movie too but um yeah i just uh i think scream is important i think it's important to always give it to people who are smart about what's good about it and also mm-hmm. smart about what doesn't work about it. You know, that's the, the real value of the third screen movie is that now, now you see what it looks like when people who don't get it.
0: Do yes. It. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and even though Craig yeah. did the third one, it, it's not right. It's, it's essentially off and it's off because it's pandering. It's off because it's um, careless with its legacy. It, mm-hmm. it doesn't care about slasher movies. It's just making a cheap joke. And, you know, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't have any kind of patience for people who uh, score cheap points off of horror, the horror genre. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's, uh, I think that's low, that, that that's low character. That's like, you know, treating a waiter badly. Um,
0: yeah. It tells me worse. everything that I need. Yep. To, yeah.
1: It tells me everything I need to know about you. If yep. you don't like horror movies um, and I, I, I don't mean don't prefer them, but I mean like you watch them and then the ones you like are elevated thrillers. And the ones that you dislike are, are cheap track, you know. I just
0: yeah, do that's that. what the newest one is about, kind of. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. And well, and I love that the new one's also about like toxic fandom fan fan culture. Yeah. Do you remember a brief period of time Blockbuster had this poll at their checkout stand where they were asking people how they want what they wanted in a movie or something, and then they were going to give it to a studio, and the studio was going to like incorporate all their ideas about it. I have a. Vague. I
0: didn't remember that. Wow. Yeah,
1: maybe I misremembering it, but. There was something like that. And I was like, this is really kind of a nightmare scenario. Yeah, Can you like imagine, release
0: you know? the Snyder yeah. Cut. But like, yes. Yeah, I Ugh.
1: mean, they happen to be right about the Snyder Cut. But...
0: But, yeah.
1: Yeah, you, you know, more like, you know, the response to Last Jedi or whatever where that they responded to with Rise of Skywalker and so forth. Yeah, it's like,
0: or death threats it? against people that... Right. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And why are you ennobling that? Why are you mm-hmm. giving are you giving the keys of the kingdom to the people with the least amount of imagination? Yes. You know, I mean, who was thinking, who just was sitting one around and, the
0: easy things. Handed exactly. To them. Yeah.
1: Who's sitting around in 1977 saying, boy, I wish somebody would make a movie like star Wars. Like nobody. I mean, it's like Mm-mm. nobody knows what they want until somebody makes it for them. Yeah. And if you ask people what they want, they're just going to tell you what they have already had. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think that's the danger that scream could fall into. Is like, they keep going back and they do the same things over and over again they've avoided it i think in four out of the five movies i'm really excited to see how they continue to do that in the next one
0: wonderful well are there any other franchises or horror films that you think people who enjoy the scream series should be sure to seek out stuff off the beaten path or other franchises that you think really um have also kind of stood the test of time
1: Oh, that's a really interesting and broad, hard to answer question. I I, I love. Yeah,
0: I wanted you to be able to take any part of that <laughs> yeah. you liked. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I love horror movies and I love horror movie franchises. I think Children of the Corn. I don't. I don't think it's best. Um, I don't think it's best movie installment was until the third one. It's called. Okay. Uh, uh, or urban harvest they go to the city The children, of the <laughs> corn. but the special effects are done by a guy named screaming mad george and they're unbelievably good and then i think the fourth children of the corn is sort of a film noir i in a similar way hellraiser gets very interesting after it becomes part of like this plot to you know by by the company to retain the rights to it by making a hellraiser movie every year and a half you know essentially is what they did um uh, Scott Derrickson did a Hellraiser called Bloodline that's really interesting in a spiritual way. There's also a film's noir um, a, a, a Hellraiser installment, um, you know. But for fans of slashers, there's like the the usual suspects, I guess. What was that one that was set in a grocery store uh, that was done by Sam Raimi's partner um, Scott uh, Siegel? I think it's called Intruder. Maybe okay. It's, it's extraordinary. I'm gonna actually look it up while we're
0: sure s- yeah. s-
1: sitting here. This is a really good one. So I really want to find it. All right. So um, one of uh, uh, Sam Raimi's buddies, uh, it's called The Intruder from uh, uh, 1989, also known as Night Crew, the final checkout, I guess. Um,
0: (laughs) It's amazing.
1: It's amazing. It's got all of the, you know, it has a a cameo by Sam Raimi, I think, in it too. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. If you're a big fan of uh, slashers, especially Gonzo slashers, I would go for that um the burning is a classic you know uh, uh there's yeah i mean the, the the history of slashers is fascinating especially 80s slashers stuff like happy birthday to me and happy new year's and my, my bloody valentine is interesting too um yeah i mean slashers are, are just so interesting and uh, a deep deep well that the more that you know about slashers the more slasher movies that you have internalized the the, the whole uh Slumber Party Massacre is interesting, mm-hmm. um, and, but but you know the more that you internalize all of these slashers, the more Scream makes sense. It makes okay. you know, a deeper sense, I think. The more you internalize, you know, um, Sorority House Massacre movies and stuff. Uh, there's well, even Brad De Palma's uh, uh, um, uh, Body Double is is an interesting slasher take you know and that has the same kind of uh, drill foul drill murder weapon as as a slumber party massacre um and also texas chainsaw massacre 2 has a uh, chainsaw that's that the uh that leatherface is trying to kill a dj have you you've you've seen the second Texas chainsaw
0: i have not actually oh you
1: haven't okay Mm -hmm. it's it's awesome and completely different from the first one okay the poster for the texas chainsaw massacre 2 is a parody of the breakfast club poster
0: Oh they wow! Can, they're okay.
1: they they're the same, but they're ones with, you know, the Sawyer's. Um, but in in uh, Texas Chainsaw Two, Leatherface is coming after the DJ Slim, the the the, lead, the, the 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 final girl, the hero of the second movie, and he tries to cut through a block of ice, yeah, and the chainsaw stalls, and he's upset, and the the his you know his purported victim, she strokes the chainsaw and reassures oh. Leatherface. Right, so there's all of this awesome sexual stuff going mm-hmm. on and slashers. You know, the reason there's no guns is because stabbing is like
0: yes, you know, yeah.
1: penetration and stuff. So there's um
0: yeah, because it's all, all very psychosexual. Exactly, exactly.
1: Yeah. You know, there there's a reason that you know, I was just talking with someone about you know, um my, like the old Hercule Perot po- mysteries that they're not sexual because all the sexuality is sublimated into the stabbings of the murders,
0: yeah, but
1: but the more of those things that you watch, the more scream works. It does. Yes. <laughs> yeah, And so anyway, that's a unforgivably long answer to that, but yeah, there's, no, there's a lot of stuff out wonderful. there too.
0: Perfect to for Halloween. Excavate. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Walter, I want to thank you so much for doing this and sharing your thoughts on scream. I always learn so much when I talk to you and yeah, it's a real pleasure. I appreciate it.
1: No, same. I'm always grateful for you to ask. And so, yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah come back anytime
1: well we can't wait to talk about Walter Hill
0: in a few months you bet yes and hitchcraft
1: right. and hitchcraft we get yes. we got to get that going it's going to be great
0: yes i also want to thank everyone for listening especially my patrons who support the show and help fund my research equipment film rentals filmintuition.com and clicking on the shop link the show's theme music is solo acoustic guitar by jason shaw and is available in the free music archive you can also reach me or interact with watch with jen anytime on twitter either at film intuition or our watch with jen account as well well, until next time, please take care and happy movie watching. This is Jen Johans at FilmIntuition.com and Film Intuition on social media and Letterboxed, And this is Watch with Jen.